the best Eagles basketball coverage. This is Creature Report. All right, what's up, Eagles fans? You got Russell Kelly here on the mic, joined here with Elliot Cressy over the phone. How you doing, Elliot? Uh, just peachy. All right, peachy's good. Um, but anyways, we're here um, after having recorded like a 20, 30-minute podcast uh, breaking down the, uh, the um, Bellarmine loss the other day and you know, kind of wrapping up the season only for a couple hours later, uh, for some news to drop that, uh, FGCU has parted ways with head coach Michael fly after four years. So, you know, the news comes across, I'm sitting in my car driving somewhere and we're getting all this news and like, Oh, well, this is really good timing. Uh, anyway, but (laughs) we want to kind of give our initial reactions, uh, what it means going forward, just, uh, looking back on his four-year tenure, wrapping things up that way. So, Elliot, I mean, what are your initial thoughts? What's your what are your feelings? What first hit you? What do you feel like now? What's going on? Yeah, so I know you and I have always talked about, you know, what was it going to take for Coach Fly to get fired or you know removed? What what would it take? And and this year, the success from this year, at least in our opinion, is my opinion. Um. It was it was shocking just because I thought we made significant progress from the last season, you know, going twenty win or twenty one wins, um, which is the first time we've had twenty plus in the last I think four years. You know, I know we had an early exit, uh, but it, it was still shocking nonetheless. Like you said, you were driving somewhere, I was driving somewhere. My buddy, who was an actually a uh, alumni from Liberty, texted me right when the news dropped. He saw it on Twitter. And I was like, say what? And I opened up and there it is, all the news. And from there, there's a lot of questions to be had. Um, I'm sure which will unravel in the next month slash off season. So, um, you know, apparently Ken Cavanaugh, the, the program thinks it's the right move to do this. We will see. Hopefully there's a plan in place. Um, right now I'm just a little shell shocked because I thought the momentum was heading in the right direction. What about you? Yeah, um, you know, I think initial immediate reaction is surprise because of what you said with just the improvement. And I know that word improvement, optimism, stuff like that is such a buzzword around a select few, you know, fan base members. And it's just a matter of, you know, what their opinion on improvement means. And we talked about in the pod that will never be released at this point, um, what improvement means. And we came to the consensus improvement is day to day, season to season. And I think a lot of people are holding the, it's not an improvement because it's not as good as it was before he was here. Um, And that's, to me, that's, yes, you're right. But like, it's, it is improvement, like embedded within that. And, um, you know, so yeah, my initial reaction was surprise. Um, you know, improvement equals optimism to me as well. You know, it's, if there is improvement, then I'm optimistic, even if there is questions, right? Um, so it's, it's, if you don't see improvement between his second season was 10 and 22, last year was 10 and 8. 
this past year that just ended 21 and 11. If you don't see improvement in that, like, I don't know if I can talk basketball with you. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like at that point you're, you're kind of choosing, um, to not see it. Um, now if you're hung up on the overall record, um, and the record in the a sun during his four years, then I think that's kind of short-sighted as well. Um, looking at the record as a whole is zero context. If he had, say he had, it was reversed and his first season, um, at the helm was 21 wins. And then he won 10 in a COVID season. And then he went 10 and 22. Then it would be absolutely like, you know, it's in the wrong direction. Right. But this was the opposite of that. It was, he took over, it was bad and it got steadily better, you know, win wise. So it, it's just looking at the overall record. doesn't say a lot. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, the, the overall record thing, you know, three more wins. If say we had won out at the end of the season, he would have been 500 all-time. And I think a little bit better than 500 in conference play. I think he still was better than 500 in conference play. But, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's um, you know, I think there were some things. It's kind of like a perfect storm of, of issues that occurred during this last four-year stretch. I think when, when Fly came in, the plan at FTCU, at least the way I see it, was to, hey, let's let's build from the ground up. I want to be here for the, the long tenure. I want to build this program in, into a perennial mid-major contender that's going to take time. And I think that that was executed too early, in my opinion, because FGCU has always relied on the success of other transfers from high major programs or JUCO programs to come in and bolster this offense, you know, minus the whole 2013 run, which was a bunch of guys that were there and kind of shocked everyone. But I think that the transfers that come in, that get you wins, builds the hype, builds recruiting, brings those recruits in, and that's how you build a program. Instead, I feel like we did it the other way where, Hey, let's just go from the ground up, bring a couple guys. And that's what you saw in this last year, kind of a change. Oh, you know, it's like, oh crap, I need to get transfers to win. Otherwise, I'm definitely going to be out of a job. And even when doing that and even when winning, uh, the staff was still criticized. He was still criticized. So I think it's just not to mention COVID. You know, before that, that kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. It wasn't a full season. It was closer to a half season. But that's still, in everyone's mind, it was a waste of a year. And I agree. It was a waste of most people's years. Yeah, um, totally. I, I think there's just a lot of internal mistakes that were made that also coupled with external mistakes, or not mistakes, but issues, uh, led to, I guess, this this choice. And even in the press release from the school and from Greg Hardwig. Um, it was stated that Ken Cavanaugh, you know, hated to make this decision because he had so much trust and faith and a good relationship with uh, Coach Fly. So I think it's it's a tough situation every every way you look at it. Definitely. And I, I don't mean, who knows how true quotes are, right? I don't know. Maybe they don't like each other. Maybe they do like each other, but that is what the school released. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree. I, I think that it's not, I'm not going to argue that they shouldn't have done the ground up kind of approach that you're talking about, but if you're going to do it, you got to do it, not, not go half and half, right? 
And the first year he was head coach was, okay, let's get uh, Cheatham here. Let's, you know, Baxter's coming back and let's get a couple transfers, uh, Cedric Casimir. And then we got a couple freshmen, but only two, uh, not that many freshmen um, because Dooley wasn't recruiting freshmen like that, at least. Um, and yeah, we'll see how we, how we do. They lose Zach Johnson. Um, the new guys don't really fit because they're trying to get Caleb Caddo and Zach Scott minutes and for other reasons. And then a bunch of people transfer. Rayshon Scott's gone. You know, uh, some of the Dooley leftovers never worked out. Carlisle, Ricky Doyle, Michael Gilmore, Brady Ernst. Um, you know, none of those guys worked out in that year or there was a bunch of injuries. Uh, Brian Thomas, um, Cheatham and Baxter of those are the ones who went on to have an eventual successful year. Um, but then year two is when they're like, all right, let's fully ground up. You know, you got Caddo and Scott were sophomores and then it was uh, three freshmen at the time came in. So it was like, they're building up, but it's almost like that's where it went wrong too, because he knew based on the fan reaction and used to winning and all that kind of stuff that, Oh, okay. We, we can't fully invest in the freshmen at this point, but we need to take a bigger step toward that. So he brings in transfers, but what kind of transfers did he bring in? He brought in Juco transfers, guys who were supposed to like lead the team from a maturity standpoint, right? Cause they're juniors and seniors and all that. But you know, they're guys who had never played D one ball and People didn't like seeing that either. That was the 10 and 22 season. Um, so next year comes around, kind of same deal. Those guys who were juniors were seniors. Um, Caleb Caddo is now a junior, but there's just not a lot of those young guys who got development time because guys, people demanded a winner. They wanted to see wins and flies. Like I imagine this is not a quote or anything, but you know, if I play these freshmen, I'm definitely not going to win. It would help my future probably, but Right now, people want to see wins. I don't know if there was outside pressure, but it just kind of it just kind of seemed like no philosophy was truly bought in because, like you said, maybe it's too early to go ground up. People were not ready for a ground up scenario like that. They wanted to see wins and transfers, no matter how they got those wins. Um, so when you double dip like that, well, let me get some transfers or let me get some of this, some of that, whatever. It's like, you're not really ever truly buying into your plan. Um, I don't know if that's totally the case, but that's a little bit of the vibe that I got by the end of things. But, and to wrap that part up, the exactly what you're saying though, is his philosophy had to change by the end because I mean, he was going to get fired like for sure. And you know, he wins one more game and I guarantee he has a job, you know? Uh, if he if we beat Liberty, it doesn't matter if we lost to or sorry if we beat Bellerman on this past Thursday, and it, it wouldn't have mattered if we lost to Liberty yesterday, Saturday, the fifth or whatever date that is, seventh. I don't know, whatever. Um, it wouldn't have mattered if we had won or lost because we won two games or whatever, um, and he'd still have a job. So it's it's just so fickle. There's such small differences that happen. Mind you, the team that knocked us out of the tournament that in theory got Michael fly fired is now in the a sun finals. So like, what does that say? Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot to take in and there, there's a lot that, you know, hindsight that that's why it's, it's kind of hard. You know, we report on things in the moment, 
but you really don't know what happens until it happens, you know? Um, so now you look at the whole four years that he was here and you can see where things went wrong specifically. Um, you can see where things could have been better. You can see where things were good and it's, it's just a full picture now. Yeah. And, and one of touching on one of the external issues over the years, uh, which is a con of the success we've had, you know, when we won in 2013, that awakened and, and burst onto the scene FGCU, um, and the ASUN, but double, double, uh, side to that is your fans are now expecting success like that every year. And while that's a great thing to have, and it's a great thing to have passionate fans that hold you to that standard, is it realistic? Um, and it's, it's probably not because I'm not saying that the 2013 season was a fluke, but we definitely caught a lot of people by surprise. There was talent there, no doubt. But to do that year in and year out uh, with the little history of a D1 program we have is very tough. So then you have fans and donors that are expecting this level of, of success every year. And when it, when you have three years that are just down, it's like, oh, what are we doing fans of this? I thought we were at this level. And you know, then money gets involved and things get weird and the direction of the program gets questioned. So there's that conflict. Um, there's also the fact that when we won, the A-Sun became a, a not a destination conference, but it, it definitely grew in, um, it was more enticing. You had programs come in, you had uh, existing programs that put FGCU as the target to beat, you know, that we were the new new top dogs they won beat them they got hungrier they got more athletes that were coming from or didn't get recruited as, as highly um, that came to this conference to try to win um and now you look at the teams we've added we've added liberty um jacksonville state uh, next year with austin p i know a couple of those liberty and jacksonville state will be leaving after the following season but if you're looking at the the quality of teams coming in to the ASUN and now you're like, well, the ASUN's not really bottom of the barrel conference anymore. It's, it's definitely not a high major, but it's, you know, it's getting there. So I think you couple all that with the, just the, the mistakes of a youthful program, in my opinion, and then external, another external of COVID. And it's just like a perfect storm for something's got to change. Yeah. And, you know, with this, like, you know, I am surprised. I'm not, I don't know if I'm shocked, but I'm definitely like capital S surprised as I would say. Um, and because I mean, you do like put yourself in Kavanaugh's shoes and like attendance is like halved at this point. Now I, is that directly, you know, literally Michael fly the man's fault? Like, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, it correlates though, which is his, which is the problem, which is the, you know, death sentence, I guess you could say. And, um, so, so that, I don't know if flies firing is a scapegoat situation. Um, but I mean, among other things, obviously, but it's, there's just a lot going on. And, and, you know, we mentioned before in the pod that will never be released, like, <laughs> Um, kind of reasons for optimism is not just the the wins. Um, it was kind of like the the big you know topic is oh well they're losing like nearly seventy percent of their scoring or something, and you know that is a big deal. You lose a guy like Tavian Denmartin and Kevin Samuel among others, uh, Caddo as well, and 
how do you feel that? But like how many guys like young guys or not even younger, but just like guys who haven't had the opportunity yet look like they could have developed um, rivers and Franco Miller will be entering their senior seasons. Should they, you know, have stayed and it was kind of like, okay, let's see him come into their own, but younger guys like Zach Anderson with a full year to develop his offense and his confidence with nobody in front of him. How's that going to look? Andre Weir, you know, looked awesome at times as a redshirt freshman and his development was, I was super excited about Austin Ritchie likely would have come back, um, had a much bigger role on the court and just, you know, many other guys Rolone, How does he look with his first full and healthy off season to develop that shot and get into, you know, shape and, and just the way things should be played. Um, but it's like, now we're in a position where everything that was optimistic as far as players and stuff like that is like, now it's all unknown. <laughs> I mean, some of it was unknown before, but you had an idea. Now it's like, do they stay? Do they want to stay? Um, if they stay, is the new coach, like, is his style going to mesh well with them? Is he going to, is he, is, you know, that guy slash those players going to buy into each other? Like, there's so much to figure out now. And, you know, that makes it kind of exciting um, when you remove yourself from the, you know, surprise that we're talking about. Um but yeah, it's just a lot more unknowns now um, than before because you knew if Fly was there, there's four plus open spots and you knew he at least a couple of those were going to be good, you know, proven transfers again. So it's not like, oh, all our scoring's gone. What do we do? It's like something's going to fill that void, you know? Yeah, no, I, and this was a damn good year. Like there was rough patches for sure, but you go through every win and loss and overall this was a great a great year there was especially to end the season i mean not only did we have the best start in d1 era for our program but like the, the last 10 games we won nine out of 10 10 being the one we lost to bellerman who's been the thorn in our side and credit to bellerman they're a great team that's well coached well disciplined i mean they're they're really good and you look at them now they're in the ace final so yeah i agree man it's shocking um you don't know, you know, what's going to become of the players, the remainder of the roster, unless there's a really good plan in place. And that's where we're trusting, I guess, the direction of the program. You know, maybe there is a plan in place that there's already buy-in. And, you know, we don't know yet. We'll know in the next month. But usually when you bring a new coach in, you lose players, and it's tough for a year or two. Now, if you bring in a stud that meshes well and that's what we just talked about with the plan in place and maybe it works out but you know we'll see right and this is looking way far ahead and we will talk about this plenty as as the offseason goes on but um look at what ju has been able to do in one season like they were what tony jasek was their coach for a while just never got over the hump always kind of for the last few seasons bottom of the conference and then uh, mincy is their coach right now and pretty much an instantaneous turnaround to where they're potentially going to the NCAA tournament if they can knock off Bellarmine. Um, so it's, it's, it can be quick, but again, I want to caution immediately uh, any fans listening to this to expect that like it, it, that is not the norm. And just because you like FGCU and we want them to do well, does not mean that's the expectation, like, or else you're just going to be mad at whoever the next coach is immediately. Um, and then three, four years go by and thank God we have a new coach coming in because you got mad too quick. Um, but anyway, 
uh, I mean, this is, of course, way too early to start talking about this, but that doesn't, it's not going to stop us. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> let's speculate anyway, real quick, when we go through the roster of the guys currently set to join, like, who, do we think they might transfer? Do we think it's more likely they stay? Um, there's only nine of them, so it's not going to go too quick or not going to get take too long. But like Luis Rallone, he he'll be entering his junior season. Um, he's already shown he can pass the ball really well. Um, you know, he's that that's he's a pass first point guard. Um, two years of you know playing left. So I mean, it's kind of up in the air in my opinion whether he stays or goes. Do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think everyone's 50-50. There's so many factors that go into what what makes a player want to move or or stay. You know, obviously they came, they come for a variety of reasons. Usually it's the coach, and two, usually it's family and and location. So it's like, do these guys really want to uproot again, go somewhere else, and with the faith of another head coach, unless it's guaranteed playing time, and try to mesh into that whole system and take a whole nother year to do that, or are they comfortable here in the current leadership and whoever's coming in? You know, there's so many variables. I, you know, I don't know what would uh, prompt anyone to stay or leave. You know, it's just, it's location, it's family, it's, it's comfortability, it's, it's people, it's, relationships, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Veteranship, yeah. you know, you've been with this program X amount of years now. You want to, and no, it happens because look at Tavian Dunmartin. He he finished his career and wanted to come over here to win, and was and was persuaded to, and did a great job. So it's it's a coin flip, but I I don't know these guys' personal lives and and thoughts right now. I'm sure they're all kind of processing it the same way. Oh, for sure. Um, my my bigger concerns would be the like you mentioned the the young guys that we have that are full of potential that maybe came here because of, of fly and the, and the current staff that recruited him. I'm talking about Andre Weir. I'm talking about, um, who else? Like Zach Anderson, still young yeah. and improving. Zach Anderson, Luis Rolone and Victor Rosa are all in the same grade. Yeah. And I think someone like, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping Cyrus Largy stays, finishes his, his career here as the, the senior leader. But, it's kind of a coin flip, man, with, with everyone. Yeah, and, you know, you're exactly right. And especially I think the location and the family thing does matter. But that that point with Tavian is a really good, you know, example. That really, it, it's any of those, um, you know, super experienced transfers, like one-year transfers is, is where that point is valid. Like even Kevin Samuel, his whole career in, you know, TCU. Um, and then let me do that one year down in Florida. And, you know, when we talked to him in the off season. It was. It feels like I'm, you know, back in Barbuda because because of the climate in Florida. Um, it was part of that was to be closer to home. It was so, you know, family could come to a couple games a year or something like that, and it wasn't, you know, double the distance of travel and and other things like that. Um, you know, Luis Rolón and Victor Rosa are both from Florida or from Puerto Rico, but um, they're for, they're both from, you know, their high schools were in Florida. Um, uh, Dakota Rivers went to school in the Orlando area. Zach Anderson, same thing, Apopka. Um, so there, there are guys who are Florida-based. Do they want to spend that last year or two or whatever they get elsewhere, or do they want to you know, stick it out here? It's, it's really hard to say. Um, 
I think for me, as far as specific players, I, I agree. Weir is who I'm most one of the mo- ones I'm most curious about, and and also Largy because. You know, does he owe anything to the program that, you know, made him walk on to, to, to D1 scholarship player? No, he doesn't owe anything. You know, he earned that. Um, so, you know, and it's not, would he owe something to the coaching staff that believed in him? Maybe there's an argument for that, but that coaching staff's not there anymore now. Um, so is he like, listen, I played three years, not sure how COVID years work. Maybe he has two more years or maybe just the one. I don't know. Do I want to go get my bearings somewhere else where I think I can contribute? Or do I think I can lead this team? Um, and I think that a lot of that's going to come down to just who's hired. Um, and that's kind of another thing that's impossible to speculate because there are G 350 <laughs> D1 programs out there with, you know, they each have three plus assistant coaches. So it's like, wh- where do you even start? But for me, um, you know, the names that come to mind are the ones that have been mentioned, the ones we're familiar with here. Um, Marty Richter was a, an assistant coach on Andy Enfield's staff, who uh, was also an assistant on Dooley's staff, along with Fly, after Dooley was hired, then, you know, went over to coach the upstart program at FSW, um, a JUCO school, and, you know, then when uh, he's been an assistant at, um, what school is that, uh, Drake, yeah, Bulldogs, I want to say, um, yeah. be an assistant at at Drake for a few years, and so it's like he's got that pedigree, he's got the familiarity. I don't know how like the parting was like because it, it was my, you know, I was a student at the time or or else just graduating, so I don't have like the most you know true knowledge or source information from back then, but it was my understanding back then that he was the next in line guy when Dooley left, but Dooley kept winning and kept not getting the job opportunity elsewhere that he wanted. So he was, he was staying, you can't fire a guy for doing as well as Dooley was doing. Right. And he doesn't, he didn't want to be fired. He just wanted to coach elsewhere. Um, so it's like, you know, Marty Richter's time came up and he's like, I'm not waiting around. And, you know, he went and got a job elsewhere. And so, yeah, I don't know if that leaves sour tastes in people's mouths or, you know, about loyalty or, or whatever. That's not really even for me to say. But, you know, I don't know if things are good between them, if that's an option, or if they want to look somewhere else. Um, if we're talking totally unfamiliar, you know, to the program, it's like I would look at not the Blue Blood programs like, you know, a Duke or Kentucky or, you know, uh, North Carolina, because those assistants, for the most part, already have like jobs lined up. Like they want to either coach where they're at as a head coach or go to another high major power five. Um, what I would look at are teams like uh, say Illinois who, you know, they're in a power five conference, but they're not usually great until the past few years. And that, so that coaching staff that came on board, developed that program, you know, now they have second, third assistants who, you know, aren't in line for like the big jobs. Cause they're not there all the time. Um, you know, those type of schools, uh, Loyola, Chicago, you know, who has been relevant for a few years now, their coaches, assistant coaches are going to be plucked. Um, so just those kind of schools, I guess, is where I'd expect things to be looked at. Yeah. And there's obviously some, uh, speculation lists 
circling the interwebs from fans and, and people alike. So we'll have to do a deep dive into some of those candidates. And I'm sure uh, Ken Kavanaugh's already got a hot list of people, probably already texting Colin and asking for a conversation. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I want to backtrack real quick to what you said about the coaching staff and kind of them all leaving. But isn't it sometimes like the head coach may get fired, but the assistant coaches stay on for a year or two until the new coach can get his bearings and get who he wants in? Um, I think that's kind of rare, actually. We saw that, though, so I so maybe I'm wrong because Richter and Fly, I don't know if anyone else, both stayed – um, after Enfield left, uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so yeah, my, my one thought was, well, maybe there's a sort of unspoken agreement in place where, you know, even though fly gets removed, perhaps there's a relationship with, uh, coach Sutton or coach fur or, uh, coach Bailey with some of the existing players, like, Hey, you stick around. These guys are going to be here still to coach you through this while we adjust to the new head coach. Yeah, that that's something that happened last time with, like, you know, Zach Johnson got the opportunity to play with Miami, but the only reason that wasn't a for sure at the time was because he had a good relationship with Coach Fly, and the other guys who stayed during that transition year that you know wasn't very good. But regardless, um, you know, Michael Gilmore, um, you know, Carlisle, other 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 guys like that who were already there, um, you know, stayed because of because it was fly who was there, not, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but at the same time, you know, when Enfield left and Dooley came on, most of the, like all the, you know, the big time players stayed for that, at least that first year. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe they didn't have cachet elsewhere. Maybe they didn't want to leave. Um, I know Comer had an opportunity to transfer. Um, Ben didn't. So, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yep. To all be disclosed in the future. Yep. Once, uh, once things are all figured out, I, uh, you know, me being a bears fan, like I've seen way too many coaching searches, but <laughs> at the same time, there is, you know, excitement that is around it too. Cause the unknown, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anyone's right or wrong about their, their little opinions online. That includes us. That includes other people. Um, but like, I think something like this can be a, another chance to sort of be on the same page with people. Um, you know, like there's no opinions out there right now because, well, not about anything that's currently happening because it already happened. Right. Um, people who didn't like fly, he's not here anymore. People who did like Fly or thought there could be some improvement with Fly, doesn't matter. He's not here anymore. Um, it's it's a it's a reset for a lot of things, and maybe that's maybe that's what you know donors wanted. Maybe that's what you know Kavanaugh wanted because donors wanted that. You know, it, it's there's so much reasons behind all of this. And but like I said, at the end of the day, bottom line, it's it's a new day, and um, you know we'll go from there and see who coaches. Well, it, it was interesting because Coach Fly still had another year left in his contract, although that, that year was not, like, to be paid out or something like that from what I remember reading. So it's like by cutting it now, there's no negative harm to FTCU other than the search for a new coach. So there must have been some sort of contingency, contingency or milestone that had to be met this year. And Yeah, I'm thinking I, it was a – 
I'm thinking it was a Asun Finals appearance. That might have been it. Correct, um, or or like a hard hard fought semifinals loss, or or something of the nature, like you said earlier. Yeah, and one thing about that that extra year though, um, that I did want to mention is it's really rare for a coach to coach on a lame duck contract, meaning with one year remaining, um, because that hurts recruiting. Uh, guys don't want to come to your school if they think you're going to leave after one year, unless of course they only have one year of eligibility. But um, in general, um, the, you know that extra year could have just been a, you know, here's this stupid year, um, <laughs> so you can try to win this year. You know, um, that that happens in in sports quite a bit. Um, even the NFL, um, it's rare to be coaching on your last year of your contract. Um, but the last thing, and this is kind of out of order just because I forgot to mention it, and I don't know if this is still going to be true, but I was always under the, this is another reason to be optimistic that I had before, um, look at a guy like Tavian Dunmartin who came to the school and everybody knows how good he was and what he, you know, how big he was for the team this year. It was awesome to have a guy like that and put up those numbers. Look at his numbers from every other year, um, his year at Akron, his years at Duquesne. They were good. They were not great. You know, he probably had great games sprinkled in, but he was a 10 points a game guy. That's fine. Um, you know, three, four assists, whatever it was, uh, shot, you know, high 30% from three, um, you know, good stuff comes to a mid-major program like FGCU and explodes has the greenest of green lights on offense that I've ever seen around the program. And, and you didn't even care about that, right? Like you wanted him to have that green light. It wasn't like, man, he needs to shoot less. Sometimes like those few games this year when he was off, um, you were like, all right, let's, you know, help the team in other ways besides shooting. Cause it's not working, but then he'd go rack up 10 assists, right? We know how dynamic he was this year. And my point in talking about this right now is that I think TDM is a great example out there for other guys in programs. Maybe not all the way until you only have one year left, but maybe you've played two years. And you can say, you know what, like maybe I should go down to FGCU and really show how good of a player I can be. I'm not a 10 points a game guy. I'm not an eight points a game guy. I can go down there and help a team dominate and show how good I am, not be, you know, third fiddle on a team. I can be number one, and let me show you that. And I think Tavian Dunmartin was a really good, would have been a really good recruiting pitch, selling point for guys for Michael Fly, um, you know, in years to come, next year and looking for, this year looking for transfers. And now I, I don't, I mean, a new coaching staff doesn't have that cachet because they're not the ones who did it. Um, yes, they can still use the narrative. Like they can still say, yeah, we get, you know, other guys from, you know, bigger mid-major programs and high majors and they can come in and that you can dominate this year. It'd be awesome. Yeah, you can use that, but you didn't do it, you know? Um, so we'll see how that affects things. That's very true. I 100% agree. I, I it just, that's another silver lining to, you know, what was a season that fell short? What was a season that we lost our coach? there's all these still positives that are rolling in behind the scenes that still help the program. Like I said, like just by us succeeding back in 2013, we've been like, it's kind of like a passive, it's kind of, it's kind of like a passive income almost. It's like you're still helping the program grow on a trajectory that, you know, maybe slower this year, maybe a down dip this year, but it's going to skyrocket next year in the years to come. And there's still a lot of positives you could take from the season. A lot of records broken, broken, um. Yeah, so it's 
it is what it is. Um, and we'll see how the, the staff and administration, what plan they have and where it goes and just hope that it's a good plan. Yeah. I'm, um, dare I say optimistic now, um, there's nothing to be optimistic about yet. Um, you know, cause there's no, there's no news except for that we're coachless. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to be, to being optimistic, uh, once things are found out. Uh, another thing I, I need to go back and look, but, uh, I don't remember coaching searches taking a very long time in the past. Uh, the fly coaching search took no time because it was, they knew what they were going to do. So that's not even really a factor, but going from Dooley to Enfield, I don't remember that taking a super long time. I remember, you know, hoping and praying that Enfield stayed for some dumb reason. <laughs> he would never do that. But, um, uh, after finding out he was going to leave, I, I feel like it was inside of a week that somebody was hired. Maybe I'm wrong and I'll have to look that up, but Regardless, my point in saying that is that, you know, things will move along as they move along and we'll be here to have fun and report those things. Yep. As soon as we get some more information or maybe even prior to getting more information, we'll do some speculation or some deep dives. You know, we'll get some news of some player news, staff news. It's all to be come in the next few weeks, probably. Yep. Right. We want to turn off before we, yeah, before we break it off, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it is an interesting situation in the Ace on Championship this year. Like, one, thank God Liberty got knocked off. They don't deserve a fourth championship. Well, they don't deserve it because they didn't win, but you, 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 <laughs> it's nice that they didn't run it the whole time they're in it. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is a fan talking right now as biased, like, you know, thank God they didn't win a fourth one. Of course, they deserve it. They have a stellar team. And that was a hell of a game between Bellerman and Liberty. Um, but now the situation is even weirder with Bellerman in the, in the finals and also, uh, Jacksonville beating Jacksonville State to go to the finals. So now I think the rule is that the regular season champs, aka Jacksonville State, who already lost, if Bellerman wins, they would still go to the tournament and Bellerman just wins ace on bragging rights and I think goes to the NIT. I think they can go to the NIT. Yeah, I just I just really, really want to talk to someone about how stupid that is. Like, why, why, why is there any transition year? Like, if you're good enough to win your damn tournament, go to the tournament. Like, like it's so stupid. So, actually, uh, Ted Gumbart, the ace on commissioner, posted a flurry of tweets that maybe we should retweet. I actually like them, but... um. It, he, he's all for the no, the no uh, timeline of transitioning, or or at least maybe reducing it to two years, because there is some validity to it where they don't want just a a you know your number one successful D two team kind of like Bellerman to just come in and then ransack the league, which I agree and don't agree with, but I think there's like financial stuff they got to get in order. Obviously, paperwork crap of sorts. Um, there's, there's all kinds of like, I think licensing and stuff that takes time. There's a whole like little dissertation on it. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I don't care to read all of it, but, but I get it. Yeah. It's not very much. And I, it, it sucks for Bellman. Like, I don't know what their student athlete, I mean, they're probably focused on just winning the ace on title as they should be, but like all the fans and, and supporters of Bellman are like, well, what, what does this mean? You know, we get a nice on bragging rights, but we can't go play in March with the rest of the good teams. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird 
Well, here, here's my here's my my argument to that. Um, so if that's a problem, like you don't want D two teams coming in real quick, at like the best versions of them and beating the worst, you know, D one conferences. Um, then how about don't let them play in the conference tournament at all, so you can avoid that. Your bragging rights are in the regular season. Done. Like, but why entertain this fake idea that you can go to the tournament when you can't? No, that's a good point too. But then it it it's both sides. Then and what's fair is like, oh, you guys can't compete for this even though you're in the league. So why do you even play? Well, it's more fair than than showing how stupid a conference can be if like if if a new person like that who's not even eligible runs it and they don't even and they pick a regular season winner. What was the whole tournament for then? Um, like North Alabama was in the finals last year, right? And they lost yeah, to Liberty. Go. They if they won, I think Liberty still would have went. Yeah, because they won the regular season as well. And that that's another thing. Yeah, I agree with you that from a, a nationally televised standpoint that everyone's watching, they're like, oh, shit, this determines who goes to the tournament. In that case, it wouldn't. And in this case, again, it doesn't. And it's just, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah, and honestly, like, I just hope that Jacksonville wins at this point. That turnaround is amazing. Uh, they haven't been to the turnaround, tournament in a long time. And also, like, I haven't, you know, as a fan, again, speaking with all this bias, I haven't hated a Jacksonville team since, like, Corey Babineau. Um, those days, like, five-plus years ago or whatever, because it was just annoying playing against them. But, um, but at this point, I have, like, no ill will <laughs> to a Jacksonville team. Um, so the fact that you haven't been there in forever, the fact that you knocked off the number one, you know, team in the conference in the regular season to get here, um, you should go to the tournament at this point. Um, you know, like, so just beat Bellarmine. So there's no question about that at all because yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, I wish whoever wins it, wins this game on Tuesday, uh, just goes to the tournament, but, <laughs> yeah. but here we are. But either way, uh, <clears throat> that's about everything I got. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up here. We will, uh, I'd actually like to have maybe one of these graduating seniors on the pod at some point in the next, you know, month plus, um, just to wrap up their season, their feelings, their plans moving forward, maybe a little bit initial reaction to, uh, you know, the fly situation. And if a new coach is announced, um, kind of, if they know anything about them, etc. But regardless for this pod, uh, that's going to be it. Can't wait to figure out all this information we've been speculating about. Um, but yeah. Here's the better times. Yes, sir. Go Eagles.